In today's episode, we shall be talking about something that seriously confuses me. Now, you know that I'm from Algeria, so I'm African, which also means that my country was a French colony, and also we had a certain way of measuring things, like centimeters, kilograms, kilometers, Unlike in the American or metric system, which is a total, total other way. Now, I've been scrolling down the internet, trying to avoid drama, because there's been a lot of drama in the beauty community. That is another segment. That is another episode. And I found... Some 10 more bizarre units of measurements and throughout the human history we have find well, of course, like I said, we all have a sort of a way, a measurement, a scale, if that makes any sense. Um, measuring anything, but <sighs> I've covered these oddballs uh, unit of measurements before, but I just found 10 more, and I want to discuss them in in today's episode, and it's going to be weird, <clears throat> because it's going to be about that, reindeer pee, and Big Mix, <laughs> so we shall see with the fact number 10. Horses body what the length of a horse is well known measurement to use in the word of horse racing. It's sometimes known as a horse length and abbreviated simply length. But the original measurement comes from the physical length of a typical horse that is usually around two point four meters. For those of you who use the metric system, it's eight feet. Wow. Oh my now, in a traditional horse racing, this measurement would be used to describe the distance between horses that are racing. An example of this would be when the famous race horse Seabiscuit won against major rival war admiral by four lengths in 1938. So technically, this is this is actually a good measurement. But, of course, if you're not someone who does horse riding, it's kind of confusing, of course. Because when they say only four lengths, you really don't understand. Unless you are someone who is very understandably in that field, obviously. So, that is kind of cool. Ups for that. Now, in the British horse racing, it gets much more complicated, though. Now, <clears throat> the distance between the two horses is measured by calculating the m to length per second. What? <laughs> so now we're going through physics. Oh my god, oh goodness gracious. Depending on the type of surface, the maximum number of lengths that can typically be described is 99. Wait, what? Why not? Okay. With anything above... This being described as 99 plus. Other parts of the horse can be used as described very close finishes to the race. 
including the neck, head, or even nose. With a nose, also called as a short head, being the smallest possible distance a horse can be measured to win by. Oh boy, oh goodness grace. Now to some weirdness, the weirdness that I like. Fact number nine. Poron Kusema. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Sorry for any foreigner who is trying to. So, sorry. Ah, it's Finnish. Okay, so Finland had one of the strangest and yet entirely logical obsolete units of measurements, namely, namely the Poron Kusema. No, Poron Kusema is a unit of distance measured approximately 7.5 kilometers. For those of you who use the metric system, it's 4.7 miles. Based on how far a reindeer can migrate before needing to stop and urinate. What? Uh, <clears throat> Some sources put the distance at more like 9.5.6 kilometers, which is 6 miles. The actual translation of Purun Kusumo. I sound like it's actually a sentence, and I'm saying it like that because I have Germanic uh, sad background. Well, you know about that. Uh, is literally the distance a reindeer can comfortably travel before taking a break. Neat. <laughs> now, the landscape of Finland is very dense with forests. 78% is covered with woodland, and so traversing it is difficult. Therefore, explorers develop their own unit to describe distances, and it is said that then reindeer cannot walk and urinate at the same time. So they need to stop periodically, and reindeer herding is generally conducted by these indigenous Sami people of Finland, a large population of local people who live in the northern parts of Finland, Sweden, Norway, and Kola Peninsula, and the Kola Peninsula of Russia. So, actually, it makes sense, even though it's weird, but it does make sense, because if when you are herding, technically, the first thing that you're not, that you're supposed to do is keep your herd together. Now, that is, can be hard when you are in a forest-like environment, or even a dense forest. So I totally understand it. It makes a lot of sense. But still, kind of weird. Now, for the fact number eight, which is kind of weird, uh, Big Macs. <clears throat> the Big Mac Index takes its name from the iconic McDonald's burger and published by The Economist as a way of measuring the purchasing power parity known as triple P. I'm not going to say PPP because it sounds like P or urinating the P, even though it sounds even weirder. Uh, yeah, anyway. uh, between different currencies around the world. Wait, what? It was created in, 18, in 1986 by the newspaper and it is produced annually. The use of the index is as follows. In theory, when the rate between two currencies adjusts, the cost of a certain good should still be the same in both currencies regardless of the shift in rate. 
in order to test this theory, the Big Mac index asks how much would a single Big Mac cost in both countries. The price of the Big Mac in a country A is then divided by the price of the country B, with the resulting value being compared to the exchange rate. Huh. That is something I heard of, but that is also something that is very business-like and very management-like or stock exchange. If you're someone who works in stock exchange or Bitcoin mining, like I do, the theory I've heard of, but I didn't know it was called the Big Mac Index. But I've heard this theory, I've heard it before. Now, if the value is higher than the country A's currency, it's overvalued. And if it's lower, countries A is, would be, well, would be undervalued. And it is a simple way of showing triple P but does not cover the full picture of the local production costs of the goods. The demand in a particular country or even the availability of McDonald's in certain countries, if you're wondering which country has the most expensive Big Mac, it's Switzerland as of 2018. Now, like I said, it is something that is very... Um, I'll say this. It's very pliable when it comes to business. Let's say, for example, here in Algeria, and to be, for example, in America, the petrol, just an example, let's take the petrol. The petrol is, I don't know, around 70 right now? 70 for a barrel? Now, unfortunately, well, fortunately, not as fortunately, fortunately, that makes sense when you think about it as something that is universally available. Now, having the idea of a Big Mac uh, can't work here. But you can talk about, I don't know, a lot of things. But anyway, let's go to fact number seven, which is Morgen. And sorry if I said it in German, which meant morning. Now, Morgen is... Ah! <laughs> It's actually a unit used in Europe and South Africa for area. Wait, what? But it's actually a German word for morning. What the fuck? It was not used as a measurement of time. Rather, it was used as a measurement to describe the approximate amount of land tillable in the morning hours of the day by one man behind an ox or horse dragging a single blade plow. The size of a morgan varies between 0.5 to 2.5 acres. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, it seems the use in Germany was more widespread than anywhere else, with some regions having larger morgans than others on account of their flatter surfaces. In parts of South Africa, the morgan was an official, was the official unit, not an official the official units for measurements for land parts in South in the wow okay until the 1970s oh wow in 2007 the South African Law Society created a formula converting morgans into hectares with the ratio being one morgan to 0.856 hectares yeah Wow, that's a lot. Okay, that's... Okay. 
No fucking number six. How do we say it in German? Sixth. Yeah, sixth. Shit, I forgot my German. Isn't it? Ah, bloody hell. Oh, now this talks about where my stomach is at, and especially with dropping on. Oh my god, I'm hungry. <laughs> Waffle House. Now, Waffle House, it sounds like an American thing. I don't know. Hold on. Yep, it's an American thing. Oh. The Waffle House Index is a unit of measurements used by the U.S. Federal Emergency Management Agency, a.k.a. FEMA, to loosely determine the effect of storms on civilian areas and their ability or inability to recover from these. Now, the index allows the agency to determine how likely assistance is going to be needed in a disaster situation. Now, Waffle House is used by the agency due to its reputation for staying open during severe storms in the U.S. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So that's why it was taken that. Okay. Uh, now, the index was created in 2011 following a tornado to which two Waffle House restaurants stayed open. The index has a scale of three levels. Level green, full menu, is when a restaurant has power and damage is limited or non-existent. Now, level yellow is limited menu would be when a restaurant has a generator power and limited food supplies. Now, level red is only being considered when the restaurant is closed as recently as 2018 during the Hurricane Michael in Florida. The Waffle House Index reached level red when up to 30 restaurants were closed ahead of an oncoming store. Oh, wow. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Now we're all halfway through. Halfway through. Thank God. With fact number five, league. Wait, what? League is a unit of length widely used in popular culture and historical and fantasy movies of TV shows. Or TV shows. Sorry. League is meant to be the distance of a person can walk an hour. What? Okay, I don't get it. But the exact measurement of the league differed from country to country or even from different terrains. Now, league traces back to the ancient Rome. Okay. Which was defined as 1.5 Roman miles, equivalent of 2.2 kilometers, which is almost one and a half miles, which is one and fourth miles today. However, it is now more commonly said to be 4.8 kilometers, which is three miles. Oh my god. It is the case in both England and Spain. In France, Jules Verne wrote. 20,000 Leagues Under the Seas, which is a book that I still own and I read because I'm super cute, super funny, and also super, super fantastic. And a league was defined as 4 kilometers or 2.5 miles. The longest leagues seems to be in the Nordic region, where a league is considered to be the same as a Scandinavian mile. Oh, mama. Which is the equivalent of 10 kilometers. Oh, my God. So, if I have to say that when I did the march from the university to downtown in a manifestation, 
back in March, I would be saying what? I had one Scandinavian mile, one Scandinavian leave, it would be nice, and a French one? Yeah, since from my college to downtown is literally 15 kilometers. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <clears throat> now, back to us. Now, the term gives its name to the seven league boots which are mythological boots, which give the wearer great speed and the ability to traverse several leagues in just one stride. I don't know why it reminds me of Flash. <laughs> anyway, let's go back to fact number four and go to the list lane. Why did I, what was I going to say really? I really don't get it. <coughs> the Miner's Inch. Okay, the miner's itch is a unit of measure used by miners predominantly throughout the United States and Canada to measure the flow of water. Now, the unit is based on the rate of water flow in a sluice. I don't know if I said that right. <clears throat> Although the size of a sluice can differ, miners would use this calculation to determine how much water is needed to maintain a constant supply when needed. The actual calculation of the water supply is determined by measuring the amount of water that passes through an opening in a second. That varies in different countries as the size of the opening will differ depending on the setup of the sluice. Now, the variation can be great. For example, in New Zealand, the miner's inch is 472 milliliters per second. But in Colorado, U.S., it's 745 milliliters per second. Prior to the turn of the 20th century, there was no common definition of the term of flow of water, so in 1905, the government of California standardized it, standard, yeah, standardized it and it is still used today by miners in the U.S. Yikes. Okay, now we're going to call about that. Great. Now, in fact number three, micro-moth. Now, micromort is a unit to define a risk as one in a million chance of death. The reason it exists is to measure the risk levels of various activities. The micromort was developed by Ronald A. Howard in the 80s. A number of baseline micromorts exist in order to show the relative risk of different activities. Now, in the U.S., the risk of being murdered is measured as 48 micromorts per year. Whereas sending Mount Everest, uh, known as to be extremely dangerous, is measured at 40,000 micromorts per climb. Uh, oh boy. Now, micromort is also used as local agencies to measure the cost of effectiveness on spending on public safeguards. An example of it is rotating, where in the UK, nominal value of one cynical life stands for one at 1.6 million pounds for road improvements. Spending on road improvements would obviously lower the risk for a vast number of people. So the price is at expenditure, which is 1.6 million pounds, means the UK, the UK government prices the reduction of one micromore at 1.60 pounds. 
great. So literally, if I lived in the UK and I used to take road safety improvements or anything, I would literally save my ass every single time for 1.60 pounds. Great. <laughs> now with fact number two, we're down to the gutter, I guess. We're almost done. Ooh. Nibble. What? Uh, probably one of the more commonly known units of the measure within this list. The nibble is a computing term for half of the standard byte. A byte is refers to a unit of data that typically consists of 8 bits. Therefore, a nibble is classified to be as 4 bits. Now, the nibble is used by computer programmers as a way of breaking down information to make it easier to debug by splitting the 8-bit in two. Now, sometimes the nibble can be referred as something else than a 4-byte, as in the 1980s when the Apple II machine referred to an 8-bit nibble. However, this has become less common as the nibble is mostly used to refer to the standard 4 bytes. The term byte was, which is B-Y-T-E, not biting, from byte, was first used in 1956 by Werner Buchholz when developing the IBM Stretch, one of the fastest computers in the world during the 60s. He deliberately, he deliberately, deliberately spelled the word incorrectly to avoid it being confused by bit, and thus byte was born. Hmm, that is kind of nice and kind of cool. Now let's go to fact number one. Oh boy, the last one. Thank God. Parsec, and it has a star. It has a Milky Way picture. Hmm. Probably. Oh, nicey, nicey way. Oh, shiznit! I didn't realize shiznit. To all of those of you who are Star Wars fans, are gonna kill me right now. Oh boy. For those Star Wars fans out there, you might think that this is a unit of time by which Kessel Run is measured. However, the parsec does actually exist. It is hard not to think that it was an inspiration behind the word used in Star Wars. In real life, parsec is a unit that astronomers use to measure large distances outside the solar system, particularly concerning the astronomical objects and their approximities to each other. An example of this would be the distance between the sun and the star which is closest to it, which is Proxima Centauri which is about 1.3 parsecs away. 1 parsec is equivalent to 30 trillion kilometers, which is 19.1 trillion miles, but is often referred to in light years, of course. Now, a parsec is equivalent of 3.26 light years, which is a lot. Uh, the term was first coined in 1913 by astronomer, by astronomer Frank Watson Dyson. Thank you so much. Now, the parsecs can be scaled up for even larger distances, including kiloparsecs, megaparsecs, and giga. Or giga? I don't know. Gigaparsecs. 
Holy moly mullahs. That's a lot of that's a lot of info for one day. Oh my god. And when you're fasting. Yeah, anyway, this is all for today's podcast. I thank you so much for listening. And stay tuned for next week. Probably not next week, probably in a few days. And my laptop is about to shut down. Great. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. And I'll, well, have a nice weekend, nice day. And happy Mother's Day, everyone. Even though it's late. Sorry. <laughs> Bye.